Hey guys, welcome back to Questioning the Spectrum. I'm your host, Christina Picarero, and we have a very special guest today who has been on the show prior, um, Will Undermauer. Hi, I'm here. Yes. <laughs> okay, so today we're going to do um, kind of like what we usually do, and that's like interview style or rather discussion, and Will is going to share his story, things he's questioned throughout his life and his process. Um where he started out to where he is now where he wants to go in the future kind of thing like we all are wondering that for ourselves but um and it's so it's so great that we're having him as like the next episode because the previous episode was when i did the book review on sissy and will actually gave me inspiration to read that book because he instagram storied it it's so good it's so good and then my partner was like we should read this book i saw it on will's instagram <laughs> story and that's kind of how it's rung about jacob tobiah you're welcome yes <laughs> and thank you yes um Okay, so Will, tell us about, first of all, like, how would you, and I don't even know if this is, like, the right question to ask anybody, but, like, how would you, like, identify yourself currently? As a fairy princess. Yes! Um, oh, my <laughs> God. That's what six-year-old me would have said. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, identity is a fun and weird thing that mm-hmm. I feel like is constantly questioned and changing, um, but I mostly feel comfortable with the word queer, or like gender queer because I think most of my identity that I just feel very rooted in is in my gender expression and presentation. So identify gender queer oh, right. for okay. people because so, that is a question I get most often, and I not necessarily don't know how to answer it, but I don't feel like I should answer it because right. I'm not gender queer. Yeah. So. so it's funny because it's this really old identity, but I think as far as like gender politics and language go, it's this newer idea for Mm -hmm. the masses it's like a more Um, acceptable term now too than it was yes than it used to be yeah um but so it falls i guess under like the transgender umbrella okay um but it are essentially there's different identities within that there's like gender non-binary agender gender non-conforming but the root of it's essentially is that you don't prescribe to the gender assigned to you at birth and there's different varying degrees of that um so for me i i like to use the word femme a lot which i know is also like a word claimed by people in the lesbian community to Mm -hmm. mean a certain thing Mm -hmm. but so for me like femme or femme presenting means that like i identify with feminine energy yeah um so i'm not very in tune with masculinity at all um but so i was assigned male at birth and i don't really identify with that Mm -hmm. i guess but i also have not um gone through any process of like a medical transition per se not that in some people who identify as transgender don't do that and some people who don't identify as transgender do do that and Mm -hmm. so that doesn't really necessarily matter but in my own journey it's more that I just kind of identify identify with femininity and like femme power mm-hmm. um, especially in how I dress and how I present myself and I think one of the best ways I've explained it to someone before was as a kid you know you like talk when you talk to yourself in your mind like yeah. whatever your imaginary friend or like I use the word like psyche or like soul is yep. um, was always like female mm-hmm. so I think that's interesting that's so interesting. Yeah. Now, did you always identify yourself as this? No. No, okay. Well, <laughs> because I don't think I had the, the yeah, tools for it, right, you know? Right, right. We didn't know. Like, yeah. really, when we were growing up, Yeah. 
I was literally gay, lesbian, right. straight. And for a long time, I didn't even know what that was. Or so. bisexual. Right. And even then, it was like, what is that? Right. Not that that's like shame, shade or anything like that, but it was just not... It was just not talked about. No, it wasn't. Yeah. Um, and I grew up in like big like cosmopolitan areas for, mm-hmm. for the South, <laughs> but it's yeah. still, you know. Um, but yeah, so when I was really little, I wasn't... I didn't know any of that, but I just, I had two older sisters and like played dress up and ran around and pretended to be a fairy princess all the time. Um, Casual. Yeah. What, what everyone should still do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I think I, I have very vivid memories of being, I want to say it was like five or six years old, but I think when it started to become an issue for my parents. Because I think there's the a fact certain... that you were, like, that doing, I was doing those, these things. Yeah, or that yeah. most of my friends were girls and right. things like that. And so that's when I started to become aware of identity, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I... I want to say I was five or six, and my parents had pulled me into their room because they found me, like, wearing a blanket as, like, a dress and, like, dancing in my room to the... I had a tape, like, Disney music tapes, and yeah. it was the song We Are Siamese from Lady and the Tramp, which don't dance to that song. It's very problematic, but for other reasons. <laughs> um, but I was, like, dancing to it, and then they pulled me in their room because I could tell they were concerned. And I don't remember the exact conversation, but I remember it being along the lines of, like, God did not make you a girl, and you're um, not going to be a girl. Yeah. But it wasn't harsh. It wasn't, like, a mean conversation. It was just, like... It seemed concerned. Yeah, yeah. And I just remember feeling really sick after that, but not knowing why. Also, like, preference to the people that are listening, how, like, your family is built. Mm-hmm. Like, you guys are very religious. Yes. And, I would use the word spiritual more now. They're yeah. not as, like, legalistically religious, but right. at that time, yes. But definitely, like, so. in spirit, within Catholicism, yeah, for or, sure. Yeah, just, you know, like... So much. I mean, we went to church every Sunday, um, read the Bible at lunch sometime, or dinner for, or family lunch on Sundays. Yeah. You know, holidays are, are still a big deal. Um, and you youth yourself. Group, all that. Yeah, I'm very religious. Yeah. Probably more so than, than a lot of people in my family probably are Yeah, now. but even not even just within Catholicism. I feel like you're very well versed in a lot of religions. Like, not yeah, so yeah. much that you uh Well, I kind of picked them. it for myself. So right. we, like... Yeah, so to preface, like, growing up, I, I'd say I had a very, like, interdenominational upbringing mm-hmm. in that um, I, I attended a Methodist church, Lutheran church, Presbyterian church. For a while, we went to an evangelical church. Okay. Um, and there was good and bad in all of those. And then at the end, it was like, well, Catholicism is what I felt most attached to. Yeah, and especially like to, on, as some people would especially say. Especially, like, it's funny, though, because I think in a lot of ways I feel really connected to, like, my mom's side of the family, and that's a very heavily Protestant. Oh, okay. Yeah, United you, Methodist yeah. and uh, Missionary Baptist and Episcopalian on that side. And, but, like, my Oma, you know, like, my dad's side of the family, mm-hmm. I've always felt very connected to that Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And I remember even, I think, like, my first Latin Mass, I was five, and it was, we went to Germany and were visiting my great-aunt and uncle, um, and they took us to, you know, we went to church for Easter because we were there over Easter. And I had never been to a Latin mass before, and that one was Latin. And I remember, you know, most kids in traditional church settings are like, get me out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, there's even like a family video because I think my dad was filming. <laughs> yeah. And I was just so enthralled in everything that was going on. Yeah. And so it, from an early age, mm-hmm. I think I was connected to that. Um, but yeah, so religion, I think, played a big part in how gender 
and sexuality were viewed in our family, for sure. Yeah, no. And this is actually really funny because the first time Will and I, like, really... Like, we had met previously to this, but the first time we met was actually at... Mass. Oh my gosh, it was. We met at, <laughs> at Our Lady of Grace in at, Greensboro. In Greensboro, North Carolina. <laughs> so we're both oh, Catholic. Yeah. Um, and it's I all had, over my house. Yeah, like... yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and I had gone to church on Sunday because mm-hmm. I actually went to church like almost every Sunday in college. That's did I. Pretty much, mm-hmm. yeah. Because um, the Catholic church there is absolutely stunning. And you could walk to it from campus. Yes, you could. Yeah. Um, which I actually did once we moved to our apartment, but. Anyway, so I think it was like my junior years or sophomore year or something like that. My roommate at the time was um, good friend, like had mm-hmm. known you because they were both. We were in the dance in, department together. In dance together. Yeah. And you were also in a piece together. Yes. Yes. Um, and so she was like, oh, Will is here. And I was like, Will, Will, Will. I was like, I think I remember Will. Um, <laughs> and then, because there's so many people in the dance department yeah. that I had like known at the time. So um, then after mass, we had like. You were like, oh, Christina. Yeah, because I think I saw you guys. We had, like, made eye contact, mm-hmm. like, wave, but we were, like, on different sides of the aisle. Yes, and then yeah. I started seeing you, like, every so often. Then we really yeah. connected when you moved out here to Durham. Yeah. Yep. So it was, it's kind of like that's how we was rooted, and we've had, like, very deep conversations <laughs> about our faith and how our yeah. faith, like, really made an impact, like, on our sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was your experience, like, in that, like, your faith and your sexuality yeah. growing up. Um, it's interesting. I was actually talking with my roommate about this not that long ago. And that Who's also been featured on the podcast. Yes, Maddie. with me. Yes, with Will. Um, but we talked about like religion in regards to like queerness. Yeah. And for a lot of queer people, um, it can be a really traumatic subject or a mm-hmm. sore subject. And it's interesting for me because I don't have a traumatic experience from religion. And I understand that other people do. And I think that's really, really valid. And I think my case might be a little more unique in that it wasn't, the yeah. trauma came from other things. And that's why I, so, I think yeah. it's so important for you to share your story. Yeah. So I had a very that. positive, you yeah. know, and actually the first people I came out to besides like a couple friends in high school was a youth group that I was attending at the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, <laughs> I came out of church, essentially. Yeah. Granted, that was a... It wasn't a Catholic youth group. I always went to a Methodist youth group. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The, and was welcomed very warmly, at least at first. Yeah. Um, in that. And so I originally came out as bisexual to my friends and my family. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Little 16-year-old me. Um, and then from there... Did I, you date... Like a woman? I had I had a girlfriend when I was fifteen. Okay. And that was I think the last time I dated. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um and then I came out as gay, I believe at eighteen. So I was like a senior in high school. It might have even been sooner, I might have been seventeen. And then in college was really when I started to like explore gender. And so now I don't really even identify with gay or homosexual because I don't see my gender as being like fully male. So I'm yeah. like, I'm, I'm attracted to men, but I don't, men who are attracted to me, dating has been weird. Yeah. You, you know, cause people are kind of like, what are you? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anywho, <laughs> back to religion. Um, yeah, I always felt very spiritual or like a call to, or connected to spiritual things as, yeah. even as a kid, water signs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, we, my mom would read us, like, the children's Bible. And my, I remember sometimes my sisters would be like, I want to go play. And I'd be like, let's read the children's Bible. <laughs> Which is so, like, 
that's very opposite of like yeah. what you hear. Oh yeah. And one, just children in general, but two children who are definitely questioning right. their sexuality or right. their identity or any of that. Yeah. And some people even like who are struggle with identity in general do call towards religion because they it might be able to like they seek like advice within that. Right. But in a po- in such a positive light that you have is like very unique. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, because you know even like. Like children's church, like if you haven't received communion yet or whatever, mm-hmm. and they like you go and you yeah uh, learn about it with like kids. You learn about right. like a Bible lesson, and then you come back and join your parents. Mm-hmm. I hated that. Yeah. I always wanted to be stay. In, yeah, I yeah. like I want to watch what happens. I want to see what they're doing at the altar. I want to mm-hmm. hear what the, you know, and so the organ. And um, I was always very mesmerized by all of that. And so I also was a pretty um, not lonely kid, but, like, to myself. I mean, I, like, played with people, but I loved to be in my own mind. Yes. And still like that a lot. Um, but I remember <laughs> I had this one time where, if anyone is familiar with the um, story of the prophet Samuel in the Bible, in the Old Testament, and when he's a child, God is talking to him, and he doesn't know who is talking to him at the time, and then God, like, reveals himself, and then Samuel becomes dedicated at the temple. I had a similar experience where I was, like, I kept thinking I was hearing someone go, Will. <laughs> I'd be, like, outside playing in the woods, and I would hear Will. And, like, now I'm, like, oh, I probably just, like, had read that story in the children's Bible and was, like, thinking things. This is my right. calling. <laughs> but, but I told my mom and my sister about it, and my sister was, like, you're just making it up, blah, blah, blah. But to this day, my mom is, like, she thinks that, like, that was really possibly happening. And I, it sounds kind of silly, but a part of me is like, well, maybe it was because I have just always felt very connected in that way. And I've never faith. felt really ostracized yeah. from God per se. Um, Did you ever wonder like when you were trying to come to terms with your identity and like, fig- you know, just kind of like go through that experience? Did you ever question like how that would affect your faith or like, cause I know you had a really positive experience within that, but knowing that you are, uh, in the, on the spectrum, mm-hmm. right. Did you ever get concerned about what the faith says or what it is yeah. interpreted as that and um, how you would feel like within that growing, going through it more as you so got older? recently than really? like at the time. Yeah. So I was very versed. I mean, you can even look on my bookshelves to this day and there's like the catechism of the Catholic church yes. and like the book on the teachings of purgatory. Well, and the like, person I go to for any <laughs> sort of advice or really just knowledge in religion. I love all. to read. Yes. So, um, and so that's just kind of what I did mm-hmm. in that time. I was like, well, I think part of it too, is I felt at the time, it, you know, it wasn't going great with me and my family. And I don't think my friends, my friends were all really cool about it, but a lot of my friends also weren't religious. Yeah. Um, and so I actually, when I was feeling really, really down and like was going through major depression, um, especially like 17, religion is really where I kind of turned. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'd be really angry sometimes. I'd be like, like, why is this so complicated? Why is the world this way? Like, blah, blah, blah. But I was never like, well, middle finger to you, God. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, it was more like... It was more like a conversation of like what sh- what's going on, yeah. what should I do, um, and I always felt like it was important for me to claim a place, and so in in my reading, I was like, well, no one should be ostracized from the church 
the church has its moral teachings, sure, but like everyone should be allowed to come in. Yeah. And, you know, then you go from there. And so to this day, that's a big thing for me is especially like how I present. Mm -hmm. I walk in, I get stared at all the time and like certain church, like certain, not denominations, certain congregations. So like I go to Immaculate Conception right now in Durham, but I'm a member at the cathedral in Raleigh. And then like there's my home parish where I was confirmed, St. Raphael in Raleigh. And like in certain places, I feel very safe while at mass and then other times especially if i'm traveling i don't feel safe at mass but i remind myself i belong here and then i think me being there also makes a statement and i don't like it that it's a political statement but i think everywhere i go is political um but it's like yeah i belong here Mm -hmm. hi Mm -hmm. (laughs) you see me cool yeah it's because i belong here just as much as you do yeah um and i think that's important for other people and normally no one's i've never been um no one's ever like spoken to you not negatively um i'll get like weird stares but it's mostly i think just out of curiosity like people are like whoa why is that person here? Like, mm-hmm. that person shouldn't want to be here kind of thing. Yeah, more of just, like, yeah. it's surprising to see someone as confident, in, like, as you are when you walk right. into very church. very visibly queer, but, like, yes. very practicing Catholic. Yes. And that's what's funny, too, is I think some people, when Mass is starting... Because it's just not common. It's it not common. It doesn't happen a yeah. lot. Yeah, especially in Catholicism, I think, because it's, it's strict, it's very ritualistic, it's old. And it's very also depending on the area that you're in, because mm-hmm. I've also been to... I'm Catholic and um, not so much like a practicing Catholic, but definitely like a spiritual Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Presbyterian Church in Asheville, and even there, like it's definitely more common to see someone of the queer identity. But it's also like Asheville, North Carolina, right. so you know it's all dependent on where you are. And but for in your situation, like it is very rare to see someone right. just like confidently walk into a Catholic church, right? And I think people get really surprised when I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yes, like, like, like I think some people knowing. are kind of like, well, maybe they're like feeling guilty and that's why they're here. But like, so if you're not Catholic, um, the mass is kind of pretty much the same wherever you go. We follow a formula. So there's times where you stand, times where you sit, times yes, where you kneel, kneel, you recite certain prayers from memory. Yes. Um, you know, it, it's almost like a dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing that really changes is what books are being read from the Bible um, what songs you're singing, and then the priest's homily. Mm-hmm. But everything else is the same, like, every day, depending on the liturgical season. And so and I think people also get, like, more confused when they see that I know what I'm doing. Yeah. So, like, when we, you know, recite the act of contrition or, like, I don't know, the Nicene Creed, and they're like, whoa, this person, like, knows their shit. And I still have to <laughs> read the pamphlet, so... Yeah, and I'm, like, big on not reading the pamphlet. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, you know, like, we'll do the, the Agnus Dei, yeah. the Lamb of God, and there I am chanting it in Latin, and they're like, what? Because yes. <laughs> a lot of even just people our own age that are Catholic can't do that. Right. Um, and so I think it surprises people. And the people. <laughs> only person... And I can say this confidently. So everyone who listens to this podcast knows Jerry, and Jerry mm. is very... Yes, Will's, I want to do a podcast with Jerry. Yes, no, that is definitely going to happen. Yeah. But um, Jerry is the only one in my whole family of practicing Catholics that can recite everything by heart. Mm-hmm. The only one. Everyone else, especially me, takes out the little pamphlet. <laughs> Which is, I, there's no shame in that, no, by the way. No, there is absolutely no shame, because trying is better than not trying. Right. Um, so, for Will to be doing all that stuff so confidently and just so, like, all-knowing of, like, what's going on is sometimes drawing for people, because it's like, this is not seen every day, you right. know? And it's, like, so weird, because it's almost like you're in, like... 
all eyes are on you. Yeah, they shouldn't be. They should be at the altar, but you know. (laughs) Yeah, no, they absolutely should. But it's like, do you ever feel that way? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, um, this is something I wanted to talk about while we were on this podcast. Yeah. I go to, so I'm a parishioner, like registered at the cathedral in Raleigh. Okay. Um, But I go to, a lot of the times, Immaculata, which is a a smaller Catholic church run by the Franciscans, and it's like right up the street from where we are right now. And they're listed by New Ways Ministries, which is a um, LGBT affirming Catholic organization. Okay. Uh, that like lists safe spaces for LGBT Catholics. Okay. And Immaculata is listed on Again, their website. Again, something that is like not always heard. Yeah, there are there are not... a lot of communities for yeah. queer Catholics out there, guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, this is a space that I've usually felt very safe. Mm-hmm. It's a little. I'm actually a very um, high church person, mm-hmm. so that means I prefer. I actually prefer the Latin Mass. Um, he's the executive church goer. Yeah. I like, I think if I lived in the middle ages, I probably would have been a cardinal. Oh yeah. 100%. (laughs) I would have loved those red robes. Oh Um, my God. Do you want to be the first gender queer cardinal? Yes, definitely. (laughs) I think that's where I'm headed. And you're not, this is not like an, I just want to point out too, this is not like an offensive podcast. This is at all towards the Catholic faith because you oh, have no, the person... Oh, no, I will die defending the Catholic faith. <laughs> yeah, and, like, I think that's really important for people to... But I can call it to, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's really important for people to be aware, and that's why I love having this, ep- this episode and just really just any conversation that I have with you, Will, is that people also need to be aware that there are safe spaces in the Catholic community. Like, we have to break those stereotypes that it's yeah. like... People of the LGBTQ aren't accepted in the Catholic faith. No, right. actually, like you have to, f- you shouldn't have to find the space. That's that's a problem. Yeah, but those spaces do exist. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, I mean, if you're someone who's Catholic and um, LGBTQ or wondering or like an ally and wanting to find a space to help, yeah, New Ways Ministry is a great one. You should Google them. There's also, I think it's called Rainbow Flag. That's another. That one's, I think, more oriented towards just gay Catholics. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely spaces. A lot of them are run by women. Surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Immaculata as a Franciscan organization, uh, the Order of St. Francis of Assisi, um, is a fairly progressive church. And I don't like the style of worship. It's more contemporary. But, you know, you make the sacrifices that you need for safe spaces. But recently they were in the news... Um, this is a couple months ago because um, Immaculata, the Catholic school, had invited um, a Durham City Councilwoman and the mayor pro tempore to come speak um, for Black History Month okay. at the school. And I cannot remember the city councilwoman's name right now, but she is an African American woman who is lesbian. Okay. And is actually an alumna of the school. Um, and upon hearing that a lesbian speaker would be speaking at this Catholic school, I guess there was a group of parents who had complained. So then the school uninvited her. Um, this was like the day before the event decided to close the school and the parish for the day. So all those children did not go to school that day and their parents had to like scramble to find childcare on a Friday. Yeah. Um, and then the diocese of Raleigh defended the church's decision to uphold Catholic moral teaching. And I have not, I did not step foot in Immaculata again until actually Holy Week. Yeah. After that, I was so furious. And I was going to write a letter to Father Van Height, the priest, the head priest or pastor at Immaculata, and I have not yet, but I am still working on it. I You're just have so much to. rage. Yeah. <laughs> um, because it was like in that moment, first off, you are listed on this 
organization's website as being a safe space and there you are closing your church for the day mm-hmm. because you don't want her to come in. Mm-hmm. Like what? And and not only is she, you know, an LGBT person, she's an LGBT Catholic yeah. and an alumni of your school. Like you raised her and yeah. you're not going to let her come in, really? Yeah. And that made me so furious. And so for my own like mental health, I hadn't gone. But then I was thinking about it for a while and, and I remembered, well... I should be showing up there as much as possible to remind them. Yeah. Hey, guess what? You can't shut me out. Yeah. I'm gonna be here. And they had they did issue an apology. Um, and they reinvited her to speak, and she did. And you know, so they they made some good steps. But I just I don't think you can make up for the fact that like the message that was sent at that time, especially to the school children, because they're told what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And so, what about all these little kids at the Catholic school? Many of whom I'm sure one day will, you know, realize that they are not heterosexual or cisgender. I mean, Mm -hmm. hey, that happens. Um, But you just sent a very painful message to them that they're not welcome. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the whole, like, that message, what it sends to people. Um, And, like, even what you just said, like, you want to be going there more Mm -hmm. to showcase, like, your presence there. And I think that says a lot for people who um, are practicing... Any sort of faith yeah. um, in in the LGBTQ community plus community or even allies of the community that they should be attending those spaces if they feel like this if is you where feel their safe yeah yeah if go. this is where their mm-hmm. faith belongs and also because it shows up for the next person who is debating right going someone or else not. is in there seeing you and glad that they're seeing you exactly there's solidarity in that Ex- definitely exactly yeah exactly and I think that you are a very proud like sponsor of, of oh yeah that. yeah oh yeah so let's go back to like when you were in college mm-hmm. right now you're starting to get like um exploring right what right. it is to be who you are and right. like where that where that's gonna how that's gonna develop and how that's gonna change over time mm-hmm. so like when did you start realizing that your sex and your gender don't exactly like mm. coincide yeah um Oh, I started playing with gender, I think, in high school, but didn't really realize it. Like, just I started changing how I was dressing. Yeah. Um, But then in college, so I double majored in dance and women's and gender studies. And I think WGS gave me resources or access to resources Mm -hmm. that I didn't know existed, like Mm -hmm. different books and authors to read that talked about gender and gender politics. And so that's when I really started to... Um, start making connections. And it wasn't like, a oh, I like how this sounds. I'm going to do this. It yeah. was, oh, that's what I was doing. Oh, okay. And so, because, you know, when you're... Like, you put your... You put connected dots. Yeah, yeah. So I never I never identified with the boys. Sorry, guys. I never um, identified with the girls yeah. either. And I, like... You know, I was in Boy Scouts. I'm an Eagle Scout. And, like, had to do all these boyish things growing up. I hated them. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, there was good that came from that. But I remember even being little, I never felt like a man who loved a man because people are like, uh, that's why mm, gay activism can really get me sometimes. Cause I'm just like, not everyone is like you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but it's like, no, not everyone is a man who loves a man or a woman who loves a woman. Exactly. Um, Because I never identified with that. And then I realized in reading up on these other identities, I was like, that's what was going on. That's why I feel this way. I'm not, I don't have to put myself in this box over here. Mm -hmm. There's other options for me to express what's going on. Because a lot of it too, which is why so many people struggle within questioning is like, how, 
you almost because you don't know, mm-hmm. you don't know how to identify yeah. yourself. It becomes it's very tricky, confusing. especially because there's actually a million ways to identify. Yeah, which is great and tricky at the same time. Yeah, and then you yeah. can come to the conclusion like I don't have to identify. I'm just me. But it's also really good to just be oh like to have language to use. To, yeah, language, language, yeah. because it's almost as relative as the language that you speak literally every day. Yeah. I speak the English language. Every single day, right? So imagine not knowing how to speak your native tongue. Yeah, that is literally what it is. Yeah, because then it's like, how do you how do you exist in the in the community? How do you advocate for the community or for yourself right. in certain spaces? Right, and this is across yeah. all boards. Like I feel like too, like when we talk about these things, we could, uh, or or even people that talk to me about about stuff, and, and probably you too. It's like, well, why does this have to be, like, a gay thing is, like, always what I get. Well, Mm. then I'm like, but it's really not just a gay thing. Right. It is a cultural thing. It is a um, religious thing. Mm -hmm. It is a race thing. Like, it can fall into all sectors. It is not, you know, and people get so shut off to that. And being well-versed in one, I think, opens your eyes to others. Exactly. And so I didn't, um, and granted, I was young, but before, you know, really starting to dive into gender politics... You know, I didn't see the big differences. And granted, this comes from a place of mass privilege. Um, But in, like, racial inequality, gender inequality, like, these things I became more aware of the more I was actually reading about LGBT issues and then realized that they're all connected. Yeah. Um, But people tend to shut off. Yeah. Especially people who don't care to listen. Mm -hmm. And then when you just have a discussion with them... Like, it's been amazing, like, since starting this podcast, the people that have, like, actually been like, oh, I need to ask you a question on this. Mm -hmm. And I am not mm, all-knowing. I'm not. But it it just allows them to feel comfortable and safe in the space to finally want to learn. Right. right? And that you don't have to be right or wrong. No, you don't. You're just learning. You're just learning. Yeah. And and that, for you as well, like, when you were... In your women's and gender studies, like, courses and and, and starting to connect the dots from, like, where you identified yourself, you were learning, like, within that process and weren't shut off to the possibilities of your identity, Yeah. Oh, and it was super uncomfortable at times. Oh, sure. Because this is, I feel like, kind of like what we talked about at coffee this morning. Yeah. Um, When you come out as one thing, Mm -hmm. everyone's like, cool, great, we got it, we finally affirm you in this, you know, we've made the adjustments in our own lives. And then you hit them with something else, and they're like, oh, crap. So, like, for you, what was that? Yeah. um, So I first came out as bi, Mm -hmm. and even going from identifying as bisexual to identifying as homosexual for my family was like, ah. (laughs) Because I think then it was like, oh, no, Will won't marry a woman. Yeah. Ah. The possibility (laughs) of over. shut down. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so then, but what's interesting is I think at that time, what I remember is that it was harder for my mom that I was sexually attracted to men. I think what was harder for my dad was that I was effeminate. Okay. Which is interesting. Um, but now, and and so like there used to be comments. I remember I came home, I think I was like a sophomore maybe, and was wearing like eyeliner or something. And not in like... The you know, grungy, the grungy way, yeah. like I, like in just like everyday makeup kind of way to go to dinner, and my mom was really upset about it. 
And I was like, I'm 21. Like what? Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, and so that was an issue or like that I was wearing scarves a lot or, you know, like little things that I was trying out at the time. Yeah. Um, or I remember once I was like, I think I was grocery shopping with my mom. This was a couple years ago and I had it shaved, um, my face. And so I had like stubble, um, and I hate body hair, just PSA on myself <laughs> um, because it makes me feel dysmorphic. Yeah. Um, but my mom was like, oh, but you like, just made like a random comment about like, you look so good like this. Like, do you always have to like dress? And I was just I like, relate to that so yeah. Hardcore. And like, she had the best of intentions and I think she was just, you know, feeling a little sad girls club in that moment mm-hmm. because when you have a kid, you know, you have these certain expectations which for how your life talked, is going to be. Which we talked about earlier. Right. And it's not wrong to have those, but you know, and my mom is a saint and she's awesome. We talked about her in the last podcast, but I was just kind of like, no mom, no. <laughs> and like, they've, it's, it's been really good. I mean, I... I guess no one really knows what I look like, but I mostly wear, I don't own men's clothes. I mean, we'll just throw that out there. It's rompers and jumpsuits and, you know, high-waisted jeans and crop tops and whatever. And now there was a period of time where I would go home and feel uncomfortable wearing my clothes and I would mostly just be in like sweatpants. And now I don't. Like I went to Christmas wearing heels, not like 10 inch heels, but like little like short heels, a jumpsuit and like a sweater. Yeah. And had a full face of makeup, and it's fine. Like, that was Christmas with my cousins and my aunt and uncle and my opa, and you know what? That's just how it's it you. is. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I've been very fortunate in that even my extended family has been very accepting, but I think, and probably easier for them because they don't have to deal with the day-to-day, mm. but for my immediate family, I think, and probably it's still in some ways it's a learning process for them because it is for me. Yeah. You know, you're still you're still learning every day. Exactly. Um it's just like because it's not – it's hard because it's not common, right? Like mm-hmm. it's not something that's common in every family, but it's something that regardless, you are you and like all that – like I know I always have to keep reverting back to this like when I think about like future and children like one day. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to love my child literally no matter what. I just want them to be happy and healthy. Right. They could come in wearing a dress and makeup you know, and be a boy or be gender non-conforming or be whatever, whatever. Right. And it's not something that you have to teach. Like this is where it gets, it gets in the weeds of things. It's not something that you're taught to be gender non-conforming. Right. It is something that you were you're already existing. You're as. already existing yeah. as it's just your time and experience to be able to uncover that part right. of yourself. And you're honestly taught not to do it. So. Right. And you're taught not to do yeah. it. So it's just like, how do you go about, I think for me in like my head, like as the idea of a parent and knowing that as like who I am and the people I surround myself by, um, like how do you go about navigating your child within that, like raising right. them in a way that's like creating an environment for them and just for anybody in general where it's not like. I am totally disassociating this idea from you, whereas I'm open and accepting to who you are going to be and who you are. Right. Right. And I think especially, you know, growing up in the 90s, that was a hard... Oh, my God. That didn't exist. I, like, proud of you, mom and dad, because I don't know how anyone raised kids in the 90s. Yeah. Because Um, it's like you grow up and it's like boys are boys. Boys will be boys, quote unquote. Yeah. And then girls are just supposed to be dainty and, like, that's it, which we've talked about before. Yeah. And I think... Um, what's, what happened a lot, I think, to kids of our generation in how they were raised, what also wasn't necessarily that their parents 
hated that their kids were doing these things. Mm-hmm. They were worried about their safety, safety and worried about how society will treat them. Did that happen with you? I think I think a big part of that because I, there was never a question to me that like my parents did they love me or not, right. but there was the did they accept me? Sure, that was an issue yeah, yeah. for me at the time. Yeah. Um, but I think a big part of it you know, as, as a kid, I mean, they had conversations with elementary school teachers of mine. Like, is Will playing with boys on the playground? Okay. What is Will doing in free play? Right. Like, they were very concerned. And I think that stemmed from, is Will going to be beat up? You know, is Will going to be harassed his whole life? Were you ever afraid of that when you were in college? Yes. Oh, all the time. Really? Yeah. Um, Even the college that... W- we went to a liberal arts school that was very progressive. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Um, UNCG was a, a very... I'm happy I went there. Me it was too. a good space for me to be in at that time. Me too. And I think my parents knew that. Um, but, oh, yeah. I mean, always. And not so much... I mean, I would get catcalled a lot. Not usually by students, but just being around Greensboro. Like, I lived off campus... Those last two years and like walking to my apartment, people would drive by and yell things or honk or um, I've been grabbed a couple times. Um, bathrooms make me very uncomfortable mm-hmm. still. Um, and so, I mean, in a way, my parents had a good point. You know, I am going to be harassed. But instead of I think what would be helpful for kids is to tell them that, you yeah. know, to help them realize like your parents can support you. And the world's going to be really hard. Yeah. But, like, like what I think I would do for my kids is, um, if I start to see these things, don't really bring a lot of attention to it. Be very kind of blasé about it. Let them live their life. But then when they first they have that interaction in the outside world and they realize something is going on and, you know, they're hurt for the first time, like someone picked on them. Like, say you have a, a boy and he wanted to wear a dress to school or, like, your daughter decides to shave her head and you know they're like what in kindergarten and someone makes fun of them for it that's when you start to have those conversations about well is this something that you really want and if it is and feel proud about and beautiful yes okay then we support you I support you Mm -hmm. do you want to have that space just at home right now or do you want to go out in the world like this either way I'm going to support you and if they choose the world all right we're going to prepare you for things. Like sometimes people, yeah. you know, you're in these situations, your kid will probably develop anxiety and depression as yeah. I d- did and still struggle with, mm-hmm. but that's okay. You know, that's manageable. That's just part of life and being in this community yeah. um, and just being as supportive as possible is what a parent can yeah. do and to prepare them. You yeah. know, the world's not going to be filled with rainbows and butterflies. It doesn't, it gets better with yourself. It doesn't necessarily get better in the world without, people making changes in the world so yeah you know exactly and we're growing up in the generation that's seeing all these Mm -hmm. things in order to and we're choosing to make that positive impact on our children in the future whether you are on board with that or not the least you can do is teach your children to be good people yeah and And, to love and respect others and themselves and that's no matter what other people say yeah and like literally that it's just it's as simple as that yeah like there should be no growing up with hate, hatred of ideals towards people at right. all. Because um, differences are beautiful. I yeah. mean, even say, I don't know, I'm, I'm someone who's, I'm trying to think of a very conservative upbringing, like, I don't know, Southern Baptist or something. Okay. And you say you, like, really identify with that. Yeah. And you're very proud of being Southern Baptist. Even a lot of European immigrants that come over yeah, here are or very have, conservative. Yeah, or you have, like, this idea of what your culture and gender is Mm -hmm. you know that came from your culture so it's important to you but do realize that you can't project that 
yeah. on other people. You can have that for yourself or even in your family. I would be aware just in case of like what you see with your children. Right. Keep an open mind, but like be proud of your culture. I'm not here to tell people that like their idea of their gender is wrong. It's mm-hmm. not, but my idea for my gender isn't theirs and theirs isn't mine. Right. And that's what's important, that and we can be, exist as different kinds of people and in, that's in a fine. space. Yeah, yeah, and that's perfectly fine. And that's completely accept- acceptable. And I think, like, your experience and my experience, and I'm sure many of other people's experiences, have brought us up to that point. Mm-hmm. And finally realizing, like, well, we're at a stop now. This is what I know to be true mm-hmm. for really just, like, a great coexisting recipe where everyone can just live. Right. Like, and bringing it back to religion, yeah. Catholic comes from the Greek word for universal. Yeah. So, like, it's for everyone. And yeah. that's why that I think that's important in those spaces. It's like you're teaching that only men and women exist and that they all need to get married or be celibate. And there's no gray area, but the world is, you know, it's not gray. It's a bunch of colors. And the world... Is colorful, therefore, you know, the church needs to be colorful. Yeah. And so we do have a space in there. Yeah, exactly. There. And I think it's really important to note, too, that for those of you that are questioning, right, your existence within your faith and your ability to go to church, one, you do have the ability to go to church. Mm-hmm. And it's also up to you to represent how you want to represent yourself while you're there. Right. Like, you can choose, like, how you portray you you mm-hmm. when you're in church. Like, if you want to keep your church life completely separate from your personal life. You can. You can do that. Yep. That is completely up to you. You just have to be confident enough to be able to live that way. Yeah. And, like, that is fine. My church life, which is very... Uh, rare that I go there but like when I do go there I keep that separate from like right. my life but I can still practice my faith or or be spiritual in all aspects of my life but when I'm in that space of church right like, like in mass yeah yeah but if someone comes up to me that's in church and is like it feels open and compelled enough because we do have a youth group to say like Christina like mm-hmm. I you know feel uncomfortable going to church because of my sexuality I can I would tell them just that. It's up to you on whether or not you want to live in right. this space openly in, within your sexuality mm-hmm. or not. And if you need a buddy, yeah, ask. Yeah. Like if you if especially if you see someone who is say like you see me at church and mm-hmm. you're feeling or holding in something about gender or sexuality and you're wondering or or confused or hurting mm-hmm. and you need someone to go with don't don't feel like it's too much to ask someone. Yeah. I mean, it, I think that it's a safe space to do that. Yeah. Um, and to be open to trying other things. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think that was the beauty of, like, how I grew up, you know, with parents from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I got to experience a lot. I mean, granted, it was all under the scope of Christianity, but, but a still. lot of different ideas, um, which I think made me even more grounded in my Catholicism. I was yeah. like, well, out of all the things I've learned, this is what I really believe. Yeah. Um, but you know, I have cousins who are Jewish, um, and friends that, you know, in high school I had friends who were Hindu and Buddhist and Muslim. And I think it's just that you learn so much about other people in the world when reading about other religions, but you also start to learn a lot about yourself. Yeah. And so I think if you're also looking for a safe space, try other things if Mm -hmm. you want, like, don't feel like you need to stick in your in your faith, but also don't feel like you're leaving your faith by trying other things. Now, what would you say to someone who is struggling with coming out, who is very uh, 
who's raised in the Catholic religion that mm-hmm. has always attended one parish, mm-hmm. right? Who's only ever attended one church, struggling with coming out, feels like they aren't accepted within mm-hmm. the church, but they don't want to leave the church because that's the church that they've grown up right. in. Okay. So like, and you know, yeah, within Catholicism, that's a it's like, big deal. Like yes. your family, like generations. I mean, I think of Schreibisch Gmund in Germany, the cathedral, mm-hmm. like generations of my family are buried there. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's like for, your family's church. Yeah, yeah. For a lot of churches, it's that way. For mm-hmm. a lot of churches, it's like, this is where I've grown up in church. This is where I will continue to grow up in church. This is where I'll raise my children in mm-hmm. this church. You get know? married in this church. You get ma- all it's such which, a Catholic and all religion, I think, thing. But yeah. like, um, especially it's for, a home. and especially for, I feel like this is, and I don't, again, this is probably generals, generalization that I should not make, but I feel like this is more common in men who struggle with their sexuality mm. than women. Possibly. Oh, like feeling safe in the space. It's feeling I think like they can, yeah. Like it's it's more unsafe for men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's all a big issue of that is I think women just aren't taken seriously. Yeah, and so like. First off, people are less likely to question women yeah. right off the bat about their sexuality or gender than they are Unless men. Unless it's, like, visibly shown, yeah. which I also very much dislike people's assumptions yes. on that. But, yeah. yeah. It's this idea of, like, you know, oh, it's a phase as opposed to, oh, it's permanent. Right. People are... Sexism, deeply rooted, guys. <laughs> um, but, but also, it, too, with men. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? It's, like, a, it's on both sides. Yeah, and, but with men, too, it's, like, when they feel like they can't go to church because they found this new, like... Uh, part of the aspect, aspect of themselves of their identity. That, that is sexually different from everybody else. Yeah. Um, they feel very unsafe mm. going to church because it's like what they've been told as boys right. from the start in that parish. And like, Catholicism can have a lot of like mm-hmm. toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. which is funny because it's so pomp and um, I think it's so feminine. I mean, like, all the music and the robes and the incense and mm-hmm. all this. I mean, statues of Mary and the saints. Like, it's just, this, it, to me, it's, like, this beautiful feminine energy. But it says such a, like, toxic masculinity that it teaches young men. Right. And I think the, you know, male priesthood is a big part of that, yeah. I think. Like, what it means to be a man. Exactly. So yeah. what would you say to a, a, a male, a young male who is mm-hmm. struggling with that? Um, like, and not even young. This could be, like, an older right, male. Right, yeah, is. anyone. I think... The internet is beautiful. <laughs> really? And there's a huge online presence of people who, I think in their own communities, and this is for all different kinds of situations, don't feel safe. Mm. And so they find online community. And so that would probably be my first... Even when they don't want to leave their parish When they don't want to leave their parish. Find an online community to support you because they exist, whether it's a Facebook group or like a blog. Um, and, you know, AKA maybe... Will's blog. Yeah, <laughs> which I need to write more on. Um, but, you know, and start there. I mean, there's a, a Jesuit priest who a, a lot of people who aren't Catholic probably know, Father James Martin. He's a CNN con- contributor. He wrote a book called Building the Bridge Between the Catholic Church and the LGBT Community. Mm-hmm. Just start following people like them on social media. Reach out to them. Um, Father Edward Beck... Um, Sydney McGruber Washington she's a ballet dancer and a Catholic convert who's lesbian like there's these communities that exist that I think can help you discover more about yourself but yeah. also realize that you're valid in where you're at and so if you don't want to leave maybe now, you don't find shy? community in your church yeah. maybe you only go for spiritual practice in your liturgy but you can find the community aspect somewhere else Okay. Um, and then if you do end up deciding that you need to leave then that's another choice and then you can also, in those communities, learn about other places maybe nearby that are safe for you. Yeah. Um, or, like, my mom is in a community 
on Facebook. I forget what they're called, but I know they refer to themselves as Mama Bears. And I don't know if that's the name of the group or not. It's a private group, but it has thousands of women who um, are Catholic, Lutheran, Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, Seventh-day Adventist, like all different kinds of Christian denominations um, who are the mothers of lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, pansexual, genderqueer children, you know, just... Um, that, and a lot of them have felt ostracized by their communities, but have chosen to support their children. Mm -hmm. And so they have this online group and they do meetups. Like my mom has hosted one. I think it was like 40 women from the group came to our house for the weekend. Like, um, so they exist, like there's spaces, even not just for you, but say your family needs support. There's places for your family to find support, to help you. I think that that's such a great message to send. And and actually fun fact, when we went to Jake, my mom, I took my mom to the sissy reading. So Jacob Tobiah, um, the author of the book came to Raleigh. They're from Raleigh, Yes, they are. but came to Raleigh and did a book reading at Quail Ridge books at North Hills. And I brought my mom and we got our book signed, but the woman sitting next to us, was wearing a free mom's hug shirt. And I don't know if you have heard about the woman who does the free the free mom hugs at like gay prides. No. She's like, for those who don't have supporting parents, like I'm here. And she okay. gives everyone free hugs. And she's gotten tons of national attention. But she's in this group, the Mama Bears. And so my mom was like, oh my gosh, this woman next to us who had two girls with her has a Mama Bear shirt or like a, a, a shirt yeah. from a Mama Bear. I need to talk to her. It turns out this woman was in this Facebook group with my mom and had just moved from, I forget where, a rural conservative community to Hillsborough, North Carolina because of her transgender daughter. Wow. And like is now in law school to be an advocate. And like, it was just crazy. It was like, here's someone sitting next to us in this space that is in this online community with my mom. And now they have name to face and like are connected. Wow. And so, yeah, like they're these communities. I mean, this is North Carolina. They exist. This is North Carolina. And I think too, like for people who grew up, like where I grew up in the Northeast, like, while that community is smaller, I do believe it exists. While I'm not a part of it, I would like to, and if people are with that are listening to this episode are within this community in the Northeast, like definitely feel free to reach out. But I do believe that there is one. It mm-hmm. is definitely, and even I've noticed, people in the Northeast going to a Catholic church like myself, I am very visibly, which I hate to say this, but definitely visibly gay right Mm -hmm. like i'm more and that's fine and even like there are days where i'm not and that's also fine but like i just whereas were you in a place like like durham for example where i think a lot of people are just kind of playing with things in their gender like i don't feel that you might not be looked at even going into a catholic church probably not i don't feel that way in jersey like italian jersey i feel like there's a very clear line exactly i feel very much like i can be picked out of a crowd Mm -hmm. and it's very like it's not everywhere, but, like, in Jersey, yes. In, like, West Village, New York, no. Right. But in Durham, North Carolina, absolutely not. Right. Like, but people like, forget Andy Warhol went to Mass every Sunday. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, but it's, it, it, it does get tough. Like, I've been wary on going to church because of my, not so much because of my uh, sexuality, but mainly because of the way that I look. Yeah, how you're perceived. How I'm perceived, because it's, like, I don't want to go to church. How you're choosing to present the gen- your gender, which exactly. is female, right? Which I is mean, female, yeah. yes. So, I don't want to have to go to church, which I think is a concern of a lot of people. I don't want to have to go to church and have people be judging me when I just want to practice my faith. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Because I feel like that's my... Your experience. Experience. But what's nice is there's always these moments of affirmation. Mm -hmm. I I don't mean always, as in like every time I go. Yeah. But they happen. And so, um, three great ones that I'll share real quick. We're at the cathedral. So... 
Holy Name of Jesus Cathedral in Raleigh is the seat of the Diocese of Raleigh. It's where the bishop is. Um, it's a new cathedral. They just built it. It sits like 2,000 people. It's this huge, beautiful... It's as Catholic as you get in North Carolina. Um, and in that, in those spaces, it's typically more traditional, right? Yeah. I mean, that's where, like, all the old, hardcore Catholics like to go. Yeah. Because it's an important church. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm truly one of those people at heart. So there I am too. Yeah. And I remember one situation, um, one of my mom's friends, her husband is an usher there and okay. he's an older gentleman and I hadn't known him, but he, I guess, knew what I looked like. Or, I mean, I'm the only one that really looks like me walking in there. Very true. And yeah. like, I remember I was with friends going in and he like ran over to me and grabbed my arm and I was like, my first thought was, oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's the man grabbing me. Like what, what's happening? And he was like, your will, right? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and he was like, Meredith's, Meredith is your mom. And I was like, oh, yes. And he was like, I'm Mary's husband. Blah, blah. And it was just a little wonderful, you know, he like welcomed me mm-hmm. to the church, found me my seat, like, and then people also noticed that. So they're yeah. like, oh, here's an usher being friendly to this person. And mm-hmm. in Greensboro that happened. I was really close with the priest at Our Lady of Grace. Yeah, and he used to give me a hug. Yeah, he's an amazing yes. priest. He I love him. He was wonderful. And he, I think he was a New Yorker. Yeah, he um, was. I connected with him yeah. on that. He was really he was sassy an amazing too. priest. Yeah, and he made a point to build a relationship with me mm-hmm. and help me through pa- the passing of both my grandmothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I started going to that church with one of my grandmothers. Um but so he used to give me a hug after every mass and people would see that too. And I think people just started, I started to become a normal member of the congregation. People were like, oh yeah, the priest knows him. Yeah. And so like it became this accepted thing. But so that, it was a similar experience to that. And then my birthday, which is the feast of St. John the Baptist, um, I went last year, I went to mass that day with my mom, my sister, and I think my brother. Um, and there was a young woman there um, younger than I was, probably a, co- a college student at NC mm-hmm. State. And she was a very traditional. She was wearing a chapel veil, a mantilla. Mm-hmm. So some Catholic women choose to cover their hair during the Mass. Um, and so she was doing that, which is something you normally you only see in the United States older women doing. Yes. Um, and she and came in over. in Europe, it's more, it's more yeah, common. Yeah, in Europe, in the Philippines and stuff, it's more common. Um, and she came over to me after Mass and was just like, can I just give you a hug? And I was like, Yes. <laughs> and she's like, I'm just really happy that you're here. Yeah. And I was like, thank you. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah. And that is like nothing else had to be said. It yeah. was just like she wanted me to know that like she recognized that I belonged there. Yeah. And I wanted her to know that I knew that I belonged there mm-hmm. and was grateful that she recognized mm-hmm. that. So that was a nice moment of community. And it was simple. Like nothing else was said. It was mm-hmm. like, thank you, hug, have a great day. Yeah. <laughs> and then the most recent was the Easter Vigil. Um, So I went with a friend to the Easter Vigil, um, which is like a three-hour service on Holy Saturday. You welcome in Easter at night. Um, Because Jews and Catholics start the feasts the night before. So that's what like Shabbat is. So like when the sun goes down, it's the feast of the following day. So Christmas, that's like why midnight mass is a thing. It starts at nighttime. Uh Christmas day starts in the night. Um, And so we do that for Easter. And after the mass, this man like walks up to me and like taps me on the shoulder and he was like, I've seen you here before. And I was like, no idea where this is going, but yeah. And Mm -hmm. mind you, I was in like a kimono tunic and like a black trench coat that was like cinched at the waist. Like it was like people were were like, who is this? (laughs) But he came up and he goes, I've seen you here before and I recognize you from the Latin mass, which 
honestly, I had not been to the Latin Mass there. It's only offered once a month. It had been maybe half a year. Okay. Since I had gone to the Latin Mass. And that's where, like, Latin Mass is, like, ultra-conservative young Mm -hmm. people and really old people. It's not... Yeah, it's a very, like, limited mix. Yeah, and And not every church has it. Right. It's only granted to certain churches by bishops now. It used to be the universal form of worship until, Mm -hmm. I think, the 60s or the 70s. You're asking the wrong person, (laughs) but... Yeah, Um, okay. But so the the mass used to be entirely in Latin, um, and now it's in the vernacular, so it's whatever local language, and only certain prayers are said in Latin. Okay. Um, But some people prefer this. And in the Latin mass, the priest never faces the congregation. He's facing the high altar, because... The focus is entirely on God. It's a it's a very different experience, and it's very um, kind of distant. And you don't talk to each other during it. You know, it's not it's not like oh, and welcome your neighbor. It's like there's none of that. None of that. Okay. Um, and so it's not a space that you first off expect to see young people, and you definitely don't expect to see queer people. Mm-hmm. But he remembered me from it, and he was like, I just wanted to invite you to the next one. He's like, it's going to be a cantata with music, and it's it's just going to be a great service, and I think it you would enjoy it. Like, I just wanted to invite you. And I, that made me so happy because it was not only was he just welcoming and affirming me being at a normal service. He was like, come to, you're welcome in the Latin mass, which is, you know, most Catholics don't go to that anymore. Yeah. Um, and so like, yeah, also if you're feeling unsafe or unsure about a space, like people, people will surprise you. And I was just about to say that, like after you were saying those experiences, which are so beautiful, by the Mm -hmm. way, for those of you who are, um, unsure of your place within the church and are of the LGBTQ community or of allies, like Mm -hmm. in any church, right? Those little moments of uh, encouragement should be should what keep you there if yeah. you are strong enough to want to be there right. and in your faith. If you are feeling a very much a disconnect from it and seeking faith elsewhere. Right. Don't then, force it. Yeah, you don't know, force do it. Do what you feel called to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then for those of you who are hearing this, right, that are of allies and know of people who are in the community that were once members of the church and are feeling a strong, like, calling back but are scared because of all the reasons that we'd mentioned before, bring them. Right. Make them feel safe. Make them feel like warm and welcome and if you are of the parish of saint anthony's uh in hawthorne new jersey look for jerry he goes to sometimes the 10 o'clock mass on sundays i'm totally <laughs> and one day i'll come visit <laughs> um oh yeah if goes. you're in raleigh or durham and you are at holy name of jesus cathedral or immaculate conception in durham Find me. <laughs> You'll find Will yeah. easily. I Jerry stick might out be like harder. a sore thumb. <laughs> Jerry might be harder to find, but um, n- maybe not because he's always talking. Just look for the guy who's always talking to literally everybody. That's Jerry. Not the priest. Normal bystander, but it's Jerry. the male form of Christina. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. Um, I can't wait for him to hear this episode. But um, so anyway, look for those people because Jerry also like hosted like youth group mm-hmm. and made people feel super comfortable being there, whatever orientation they went by, reli- like even religious orientation, yeah. like it did not matter to him. Also, and there needs to be more people leading youth group like that. Yes, that aren't so set on, I must boss these souls and keep them Catholic because the second you try to keep someone somewhere mm-hmm. is when they leave. Yes, you know, exactly. You need to be open-minded. And, and also keeping yeah. them within the box of their sexuality. Yeah. Don't um, or converting them back to right. the, what is it, quote-unquote, like, normal back in, you know? Right. Don't do that. In those situations, I think what's most important is in, say, a Catholic setting mm-hmm. to help that person's relationship with 
the church and help that person with their relationship with God. Yeah, guide because them that's, in their questioning. that's what they'll learn. It's yeah. not by, like, learning all the rules. It's learning about their spirituality. Yeah. And that's when the spirituality comes first. Rules mm-hmm. come after that. Rules have a place, but they're not the center point of yeah. the faith. You and know? do you feel like that's been your experience, like, within yeah. that? Yeah. And, I mean, there's definitely things that I, I – there's um, teachings that I disagree with how they are – translated Mm -hmm. into the church and I think it's important to stand up against this for example like gay marriage is not allowed in the catholic church and I understand so I think we're gonna like I want to start talking about your future like within all this stuff and this is definitely going to be a little bit of a longer episode just because you're welcome well yes but also (laughs) because like Will and I the conversations that we have are very important every single one and I don't want to ever and that's what this podcast is never about cutting someone one short and two I want people to really understand right. that everyone is different. Yeah. So we need to continue this yeah, conversation. Yeah, because I even have a hard time finding space in queer communities mm-hmm. sometimes because people are like, you're Catholic? And yeah. I'm like, hey, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. Um, yeah so, so your future, like, within that. Yeah, like, your ideals on something I have prayed about and cried about a lot. Um, for example, I will never have a Catholic wedding, and that is very sad to me because... Mm-hmm. It's not even just like, oh, I want to get married in a church. In Catholicism, there are sacraments, or all most Christianity has sacraments, but most Protestants only have two, baptism and communion. Catholicism has seven, and one of them is marriage. List them all, because I don't think sure. a lot of people know them. So in Protestant faiths, I know that sometimes they're called sacramentals, mm-hmm. or like they're lesser, mm-hmm. or just like holy sacred rites, mm-hmm. like the rite of uh, marriage. Um, and then Anglicans and some Lutherans consider them sacraments as well. But so for Catholics, they are seven, and sacraments are ways that God's grace is granted upon a person. So it was baptism first? Yeah, so there is holy baptism, uh-huh. then there is um, holy communion, so that would be like the taking of the Eucharist. Usually when you're in second grade, you get this. Yeah, there is um, confirmation. Yep, which, high school. Yeah, high school, and then in some European countries, it's late elementary school after first communion. And oh, if wow. you're an Eastern Rite Catholic, it actually happens right after your baptism. Oh, wow. It's very different, yeah. But so they, that's Something when they anoint I you. didn't know. Yeah, they anoint you with holy oil. So it's sort of like another baptism, but it's baptism is about like... God's promise to you and confirmation is your commitment to God. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you pick like a sponsor and like all this stuff. Shout out Amanda. It's my yeah. Cousin. Sponsors She's are kind of like a second godparent yeah, sort of thing. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. They help foster you in your journey. Yeah. Um. So confirmation is next, and then there is what's that three? Oh, also somewhere in that time, usually before first communion, is um, confession, penance. Yeah. Um, that's true. When you go before a priest, um, either face to face or with your identity hidden, a lot and of confess time, sins. Yeah, and a yeah. lot of time that's like depending on the parish. It's like when you're getting prepped for communion, you'll do this. Yeah. I remember doing it, and I actually went to uh, penance. Like mm-hmm. like when I did um, confession, I did that all the way through oh, high yeah. school. It's it can be scary because it's you have to. It's not scary because you're telling someone. It's scary because you have to deal with the fact that you're struggling with something, mm-hmm. and that's big. Confession actually being in it was never scary. It was almost like therapy. Yeah, it it's not is. as formal like this the movies make it. I mean, yeah. you do like ritualistic prayers like yeah. bless me father for I have sinned. Mm-hmm. But then like one of my experiences the priest was like I listed different sins that I was struggling with and he was like, "Well, what's really hurting you?" Yeah. And I was like, "This one." And he was like, "Well, let's talk about it." Yeah. And like we just had a conversation. And so 
it's much more like a, a free form of therapy. <laughs> it kind of, it really, it really is. And you have to find the right Yeah, I mean, not every do- confession is going to be a great experience. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. But like, a lot of people go to one confessor. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So if you find that priest that you're really connected with, and a lot of Catholics, like, get this because if you're raised in a parish, like, you mm-hmm. know the priest. And your identity is hidden. So mm-hmm. it's not like they, like, are like, oh, it's Christina today. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. They can't see you. Right. Um... So and they're not allowed to talk to anyone about what you've confessed. Yeah, no. So it's all private. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And mm-hmm. then, like we said, confirmation, communion confirmation. And then what's after that? Um, there is holy matrimony, so uh, marriage. Marriage, um, which is what we'll be talking about. Yep. And then there is, um, how many was that? Sorry. I think five. Five. Then there is um, holy orders. So if you become ordained as a priest or a monk or a nun. Um, so it's kind of another Wait, path. I just got ordained. Does that mean... Did I tell you that? No. I just well, this would be as like a minister, universal church life, whatever uh, that is. Okay. But, okay I mean, so that I wouldn't count this. as a because I don't think that church ca- considers it a sacrament. Oh, probably not. Yeah, but so in Catholicism, it would be like a Catholic order. So uh, like those who are discerning the priesthood, oh. it's sort of an alternative to marriage. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you choose to be a priest, a religious or a religious sister or brother, and those people um, are supposed to. They don't always, but are supposed to take vows of celibacy. Well, they all take vows of celibacy, and they're supposed to live by chastity and celibacy. Wow. So it's almost like a, a union with God. It's like wow. a spiritual marriage. Um, and so people who do holy orders don't do holy matrimony. Unless you're an Eastern Catholic, like a Greek Rite Catholic, their priests can be married, but they must be married before they become a priest. Oh, after. okay. And then right after that is anointing of the sick, right? Yes, anointing okay. of the sick or holy unction, which people call the last rites. And that's yeah. like in the movies when someone's on their deathbed and the priest, uh, the priest comes. comes that's the last one. Um, and it doesn't always happen when you're dying, actually. Sometimes people just do it when they're really sick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That also it's also true. for healing. It's yeah. not just for preparing for mm-hmm. death. So the two big ones that I kind of want to talk about, and this yeah. is like, if this is a religious, like, kind of sectored podcast, I think that that's a good thing because I want to touch on all of the, mm-hmm. as many things as I can touch on. So the, the two big things is baptism, mm-hmm. gay couples cannot baptize yes. their child in a Catholic church. So this Same actually, I've been... This is like, whew, this was recent. So the Mormon church, hey Mormons, um, sorry, My they like to be called. My partner also told me about this. Yes. And, oh, <laughs> the okay. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which is, they actually have a pretty big presence in North Carolina, um, but they're mostly, you know, out west, west in the U.S. Yeah. Um, and they're part of what's called like restorational Christianity. So they're not Protestant. They're not Catholic. They're like another branch. Um, but the church actually refused to baptize children from LGBT, like same-sex marriages. Yeah. Um, unless they had very like specific permission from a church leader in order to do so. So most gay couples who maybe were you know identifying as Mormon or wanted to raise their children Mormon were not yeah. allowed to have their children baptized until. When was it? A couple weeks ago? I guess, yeah, They have now voted as a church, as a whole denomination, to stop that. So now it doesn't matter if the parents are quote-unquote living according to church teaching. They will baptize the child, and yeah. that is huge. Mm-hmm. So, like, we need more, but, like, hey, Mormon church, clapping for you. Proud yeah. of you. Because the Catholic church has not done that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the Catholic church, it's a little different. Um, you can... Have you your can. children baptized, but you also can't. So it depends on if you can find a priest that's willing to do it. That would do it. Yeah. So that's something I've been very concerned about because a conversation Christine and I have had before is that when I have children, I will want them to be baptized yeah. in the Catholic faith. Um, 
and a priest has the right to say yes or no. Um, and so that's what's really scary to me is what if this is like my home parish that I and go to no. and they say, no, I won't want to attend there anymore. I'll have to find somewhere else. Or should I just not risk it and just try and get a priest from somewhere else to go ahead and do it? Right. Um, and I actually kind of like the idea of having a home baptism. So back in the olden days, you didn't even always go to the church. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a priest would come to your house. Yeah. And so if I can, if I have like maybe a personal confessor, like a priest that I'm close with, um, who knows like my journey yeah. and is willing, then I might have that. Yeah. Um, so there are ways but um, you kind of have to be, it's scary to ask too because you don't want to ostracize yourself. Right. Yeah, but so the church needs to work on that because say even you don't agree with same-sex marriage, the child's not doing it. Yeah. You know, the child is just being a baby. Yeah, just you know? a, they're just a child. And wouldn't you rather, say if you're Catholic and disagree with homosexuality, wouldn't you rather that a child with homosexual parents is still being raised Catholic yep. than something else? Yep. I mean, I don't know. I, I would. I would as well. Um, so there's that, yeah, and that scares me. Um, also, though, what concerns me is a priest might say yes, but then are they going to acknowledge both parents at the baptism, or are they only going to acknowledge one as a parent? Oh, my God, I didn't even mm-hmm. think about because that. Because there's vows you take as a parent during baptism, yes. and then the godparents, and the, it, you can also have... Um, so in the Catholic Church, godparents have to be Catholic. Yeah. But you can have, I forget what they're called. It's sort of like a sponsor, like Christian sponsors. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I forgot about yeah, that. And yeah. they don't have to be Catholic, but they have to be baptized Christians. Yeah. That can also help and be part of the ceremony and take vows. Um, so like if, like some of my friends who I'm really close with one day, like you might be a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, will me and my spouse both be able Right. To stand up there. Right. And take vows with their child. I don't right. know. And so that scares me. I'm not allowed to have a wedding in the Catholic Church. Right. So and then, so that's the next thing. Like yeah. marriage. Like which I know when I was younger really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that I was like, Oh, I can never get married in a Catholic church. I guess I'll just be straight. Like yeah. I think and I don't know why as a young child, like it because it's not like we attended church all the time, but I was attending There's like CCD like, Sunday about school. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And also like we're Italian Americans, so like being Italian, it's, like, very much a cultural thing to also be Catholic. Right. So, like, that was hard. That was, uh, I was like, oh, shoot. Like, that's going to be a tough one when I grow up. Because I, I always had this, like, picturesque, like, idea for when I was going to get married. It would be in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Oh, uh, in the New most, York. It's so beautiful. Yes, the most beautiful cathedral in New York. Like, yeah. oh, my God, it's absolutely breathtaking. And I've actually received communion from Cardinal Dolan when I was... Yeah. Just so everyone knows, he's like the most senior Catholic official in the United States and was actually in the running for Pope before Francis was elected. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. he was. Um, And very like beautiful service and all that. And I was like, I would love to get married here. I just know that I won't ever be able to. And as getting older, like I'm like, oh, you know what? It's okay that I can't. But it is heartbreaking. It's, It's just sad because it's something that I think a lot of heterosexual and cisgender Catholics take for granted. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of Catholics, a lot of my friends who are Catholic do not get married in the church mm-hmm. because they wanted an outdoor wedding or they wanted to get married at this mansion which again is fine park, because which now, is your choice. You now know? getting married in a Catholic church is very expensive for yeah. whatever reason And that a lot is, of, but... you can't do a lot of, like, sometimes depending on where you're getting married, the church might be like, this is the music that's going to be sung yeah. at your wedding. Like, there's choices li- you can't make. There's limits to yeah. it, but it's true. They you do- don't get to choose readings. Mm-hmm. Fun fact in a Catholic Mass, so when people always read, they're like, love is patient, love is kind. That does not happen. Yeah. The Catholic Church, 
a mass is said every day and we follow the liturgical calendar. So if your wedding, yeah. whatever wedding, like the day of your wedding is, they will read the gospel that goes for that day. Yeah. So what you can do is pick what day your wedding is. Yeah. So if, you can pick it around yeah, that. But around what once you want you're read. set, like you're yeah. set and yeah. that's that. But, um, there are limits and they do, I, I do feel like it is taken for granted. Now I know like in my family, who's got like the people that have gotten married, like within a church, which I'm pretty sure out of everyone that's gotten married, everyone has thus mm-hmm. far. Um, they're very dedicated to their faith, like right. still. And I know that when Jerry gets married, um, that'll also be the same. Like right. he, he will get married like in a church, but he's very close, like in his faith. Right. So there hasn't been anyone yet. Oh, 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 that's a lie. That's a lie. My one cousin got married to the Bronx Zoo, but also, Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, that was a cool wedding, but also they aren't super in their, in a religious faith. Um, so then again, that's right. totally fine. Or but. some people will do a private blessing mm-hmm. in a church. Um, with it's like just them and a priest and a witness, and then they have like their secular wedding somewhere. Oh, else. okay. I've seen that too. But uh, you wouldn't even be able to do that. I wouldn't even be able to do that, which makes me sad. And I mean, like my sister and her fiance, and he's Irish Catholic, and they're having I think it's a Quaker wedding. There's no clergy involved at all. Okay. Um, so they're getting like they're getting married in September, um, in Wyoming on a ranch. I'm so excited. Okay. Um, my first sibling to get married. Um, hey, Catherine and Matt. Um, but yeah, they decided they didn't want like a Catholic wedding, they're doing, um, a ranch wedding. And I think it is in a chapel, but there's, they're getting legally married before. So they don't need a legal officiant at the wedding. It's more of a commitment where they express each like vows to each other. And then the congregation like right. affirms them. Right. And so this will be, it'll be interesting. My mom and I were talking about, we're like, we've never been to one of these, Yeah. but I think it'll be really cool. But yeah, it's like, so even, so in my family, it's not unusual to say not go with the norm. Right. Um, but, but then, but for me, I just like, I really want one. (laughs) My question for you is if another church, Mm -hmm. another religion, let's, or like, so in Christianity, Mm -hmm. whether it's, uh, Presbyterian, what have you, Baptist, Methodist, whatever. If one of those churches says Mm -hmm. okay to gay marriage, would you get married? Ah, see, so some of them have, and that's a conversation I had with my mom. Okay. My mom... Um, was saying, so the Episcopal Church in the United States, which is an Anglican um, faith, similar to Catholicism, um, some of the big differences are like they have women priests. They yeah. do ordain. They're like the laid back Yeah, Catholics. we call them the diet Catholics. Yeah, diet We Catholics. love you guys. Yeah. Um, they do allow same-sex marriage. And so does the ELCA, which is the Evangelical Lutheran Church, which is also similar to Catholic. Okay. My roommate is actually ELCA. Um, there, I don't think every parish does. Each parish gets to choose okay. whether or not, as a congregation, okay. they do. Yeah, but yeah. so I could technically have like a Catholic or, I mean, sorry, a Lutheran or an Episcopalian wedding. Um, and I thought about it. So my mom and I were talking and we were like, oh, what if <laughs> I'm not even seeing anyone? So it's funny that we're planning my wedding. Um, but... There's this beautiful church in downtown Raleigh, Christ Episcopal, and my mom is friends with the vicar's wife. Okay. Um, They volunteer together at St. Xavier's, and I was like, oh, I could get married there. But then certain churches have rules, so their rule is that you either have to be a member of the church for a year or be the child of members. Okay. And I'm not going to convert to yeah. another faith just so I can get married, married in that church. In um, and I don't know if they're all like that, but I would be open to probably having like an Episcopal wedding. Okay. Um, if it's allowed, but I would want 
to make sure it's a mass. So mm-hmm. even though it's not Catholic mm-hmm. communion, I'd want communion mm-hmm. celebrated. And I like the tradition of the bride, aka me, leaving a bouquet of the bouquet to the Virgin Mary in a lady chapel. And so if there isn't a lady chapel, like having a statue of Mary brought in and that being part of the ceremony where I get to go leave my bouquet there. Do that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what I would, what I really hope is that there's just a Catholic priest out there who in secret will come bless. Yeah. <laughs> there are. They exist. They're not supposed to do it. They can get in huge trouble. Um, so it would be secret. But there are priests that have done that. And there's even some cardinals in Europe. Um, the Archbishop of Vienna, um, Cardinal Schoenberg. You're outing him right now. Uh, well, he, I don't know if he's done that, but he's very open about oh, open supporting yeah. LGBT marriage in the church. So okay. we like him. Okay. And there's, I think, a Portuguese cardinal or a bishop maybe who also has like advocated for at least the blessing. And these of are things couples. that people like want to like people want to know about. Yeah. Um, and I know like for myself, like and my partner, we are we are totally fine with not because she's not really a part of any religion like as of now, but she was raised like sort of, you know, right. very much open like about the religion that you choose. And she's like experimented with different like religions and things like that and is very cool with that. Mm-hmm. Um and that's totally fine. I don't care. But I know we're 100% I've come to be, uh, even before we got together, like, okay with not being married in a church or right. anything like that. I think for me, um, I have uh, s- sort of taken marriage away from the sacrament um, mm-hmm. getting older, and that's just what happened just because right. of uh, mainly be, like based on my sexuality. Um, but but I'm, also just because it's not seen as sacramental doesn't mean that grace doesn't come through it. Exactly. You know? It's 100%. Right. Like you make of it the, what you make right. of it. Um, and your faith, if you want that to be brought into it, like you can do that yourself. Like mm-hmm. that's totally And the okay. Catholic teaching is that a marriage models the Trinity. And so people are always like to become one. And in a way, yes, but also to become three. So like, we believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And in a marriage, you're supposed to model that. So it's you, your spouse, and God. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, so you know, whatever that yeah, may be. Whatever like that, that is may for be. you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we kind of have, and my mom is so funny, because my mom literally watches Say Yes to the Dress. Like, it's her, uh, like, that's the only thing she watches. It's so funny. But when we watch it together, and my grandmother watched it with us, she's always like, oh, my gosh, Christina, and, like, for your wedding, like, all the this, this, and this. And, like... I've been very open to doing it, however, and my mom is also, because she's very much like, my mom's wedding, literally, people still talk about how great it was. Like, my parents, when they got married, it was, like, the I most fabulous wedding. wedding. Yeah. yeah. And it was the most fun, like, all this stuff. And I want my wedding to be like that. Mm-hmm. And also, like, I really am excited for the way I'm going to do it. Cause right. I'm my partner and I have talked about it so many times where we're like, well, we can, we want to get married in like a garden and oh, like, yes. like a conservatory and, and things like that. Cause it's just one. It, and come on gardens are so spiritual. Yes. And also like, it's, it, it's just so beautiful to be surrounded by like life. Mm-hmm. That's like that. And, yeah. um, so we've like played around with the idea like that. And like, it gets me excited about those things, right. um, in the future, whenever they happen. But, it's okay that, like, my faith, I'm not getting married in a church because, like, I know that I will carry my faith right. with me It doesn't regardless. make you less Catholic. No, it doesn't make me any yeah. less Catholic. And that's okay for those of you that are struggling with that. You define Catholicism just like you define, like, you define it to a point, but you define right. how you celebrate it. How you it, express it. How you yeah. express it based on that. Um, you don't have to do what everyone else is doing to be a Catholic. No. Yeah. Yeah, no. You don't have to agree with what everyone agrees with to be a Catholic yeah, or disagree. That's, like, you that's know? literally 
like anything. Yeah, it's like anything. Um, wow, we touched on so many things today. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I love it. And there's going to be so much more too because I'm really excited for the for the day that um, Will and Jerry. Yes, finally, um, I would be totally this the summer. Third I'm wheel. trying to go up to. New Jersey. Yes. So, so to visit, not to move. No, 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 no. don't move. <laughs> to visit Just, Christina to go to church. Yeah, well, we're definitely gonna go to church. Yeah. But also, um, the, the, when you and Jerry like mm-hmm. meet and like when we have a podcast together. I literally will be the third wheel because I know <laughs> we'll just be geeking out. I'm I'm literally like <laughs> Catholic for dummies. Like I'm like have to read. I think that. I have a book called that actually. <laughs> yeah, no, there is. I'm sure because like I know almost nothing, but that doesn't make me any less Catholic than mm-hmm. the next person. Right. And I just want to point that out because like Will's Will can like literally like just regurgitate like any information about almost any religion, and, and it doesn't mean I'm any better or more Catholic than other people. Yeah, and yeah. I never feel less than when talking to Will. So I think yeah. that this episode was perfect for those who were just one curious and or those who were scared to mm-hmm. enter their faith and two who were questioning their identity throughout all aspects of life and what that means to their faith or just like interested in general. So. Right. Any last notes that you want to say? Hmm. You get to define yourself. So just remember that you're beautiful, that it's most important that you believe in yourself and are beautiful, and that whatever higher power you believe in or feel, that that is affirming you, not other people. And you can find community. You just need to look for it. Yeah. I just want to thank you, Will, for one, sharing your experience, and two, um, being like very confident to talk about your faith because a lot of people who are in one, the community, or even two, just like have faith at all, sometimes don't like to talk about it or share it. And right. so, which I found, you know, right. and that's totally fine, up to you. But do I. Do you list like Instagram accounts or anything yeah. at the bottom? So I can, so we can list. list some cool organizations. Yeah, for 100%. Yeah. So we'll put like all of the information we talked about in the biography of yeah. this podcast. Um, but we'll list those outreach programs yeah. people to talk to or follow and you yeah. know any any of the like and maybe even some of Will's um Wikipedia articles oh because <laughs> Will writes, write a lot. writes them and I think that that's such a fun Oops. fact about Will that he does that so I'm a nerd. all that I'm in the nerd. description and also my email so if you want to connect with Will like you can reach out through the yeah, email hit or, me up. yeah and even through Will's um Instagram and, mm-hmm. and Facebook and the like. So all that information will be in there. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will catch you next time. Bye.